John 3, 14 through 21. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him isn't judged. Whoever doesn't believe in him is already judged because they don't believe in the name of God's only son. This is the basis for judgment. The light came into the world and people loved darkness more than the light for their actions are evil. All who do wicked things hate the light and don't come to the light for fear that their actions will be exposed to the light. Whoever does, the truth comes to the light so that it can be seen that their actions were done in God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, today we have a real treat. Reverend Riley Pickett will be preaching for us. Riley is the re-entry pastor at Hagar's Community Church. Hagar's Community Church meets inside the Washington Corrections Center for Women in Purdy and is led by Reverend Lane Brubaker, who's preached at Urban Grace before. And the way it works is that Lane is unable to continue her relationship with women after they're released, which is where Riley comes in. Riley works to create spiritual community among formerly incarcerated women, as well as providing training for congregations on how to create a welcoming and supportive environment. Riley also helps connect the women with organization that helps provide jobs, housing, mental health resources, and the kind of community uh, support to help them stay sober and, and really whatever they need. So she's a great resource and uh, this is really important work and we're super grateful that Riley and her wife Shauna moved to Washington during COVID so Riley could create this position and we are thrilled to hear from her today. So Riley, take it away. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. John 3.16, there's one in every crowd. You can find the scripture on a poster at every major sporting event. It was written on former college player Tim Tebow's eye black for his games as a Florida Gator. It has shown up in comic strips, TV shows, and movies. You can find it plastered on 14-wheelers and on the bottom of In-N-Out Burger Cups and on the shopping bags of Forever 21. And for these reasons alone, you might be feeling a little resistant to the text today. And to be honest, I've always scoffed at John 3.16 as a person who hates anything that's too popular. And I think it has become a way to reduce and simplify one version of the Christian gospel to a quick soundbite. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. For me, reading this verse in isolation is unhelpful. It has lost its impact and meaning for me after hearing it so many times. Without context, 
I just see divine parent abuse and hellfire for those who don't believe. But with a fuller understanding of the Gospel of John, I see something much different. The passage today comes from Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus, a Pharisee and leader of the Jews. At the beginning of the chapter, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the dark of night with what he thinks he knows about Jesus. The dark perhaps symbolizing that he doesn't know as much as he thinks. The writer of John likes to use symbolism as we'll discuss in a minute. And Jesus challenges him to let go of all he has understood and to understand the world on new terms. He tells him he must be, in a sense, reborn from the spirit. He says what's born of flesh is flesh, but what's born of spirit is spirit. With these dualities in John, flesh and spirit, darkness and light, it would be easy to misunderstand Jesus as saying the flesh is bad and spirit is good. But that isn't what he's saying. He's saying that because he has become flesh, and entered into the world, flesh has been transformed. He's challenging Nicodemus and us to see flesh, to see the world from the perspective of the spirit, from the perspective of the divine, not to deny it altogether, but to embrace our bodies in our world as the place where Christ abides and is present. And this matters to today's text because there are a lot of dualities, right? light and dark, belief and disbelief, condemn and save, perish in eternal life. And I don't know about you, but dualities have always kind of turned me off. And maybe that's why I never loved this text. But returning to it this week with a fuller understanding of John and why he writes this way, I came to love it like I love the whole book of John. You see, the writer of John is highly symbolic and spiritual. And to read these things on a lower plane where things are black and white and literal will lead to misunderstanding. But when we put two seemingly opposing statements like light and dark into dialogue and understand them on a more spiritual plane, the tension starts to resolve a bit and we see a fuller picture. When God became flesh, came down and dwelled among us, eternity entered time. And when the word becomes flesh, when creator enters creation, we enter a world of paradox and dialectic. And the writer of John knows this and wants to express this. He wants to express that Jesus is the central paradox that leads to all others. This familiar text today that we've heard so many times is asking us, like Jesus asked Nicodemus, to put aside everything we think we know and to stand in awe at the mystery of Christ. The mystery of the one who was lifted up on the cross and executed by the state. And this very act of death being the thing that gives us life because we know that death won't have the last word 
And that opening ourselves up to that power of life and love begets more life and life abundant. But not only does that act of death give us life, it forces us to reckon with where we may be complicit with forces of death, like that of the Roman state, which crucified Christ. You see, it's not either or. It's not giving life or giving death. It's the both and. It's the giving us life and having to reckon with the forces of death in the world and in ourselves, And that's paradoxical. It's not simple and easy to understand. It's not something that can be cross-stitched or plastered <clears throat> on the back of a truck. Another way we could read this text differently, other than looking at the context of John and the symbolism of John, Another way to understand it differently and to give it new meaning is to literally look at it through different eyes, perhaps through the eyes of the most marginalized among us. For example, how does this familiar text, this familiar verse even, John 3.16, how does that take on new meaning when we read it through the experience of a person in prison? When I started at Hagar's Community Church, a congregation planted inside Washington Correction Center for Women, a women's prison in Gig Harbor, I learned about what this text means to folks inside the prison. Their experience is what gives this text meaning. The image of Jesus taking on their punishment is life-changing for them. Christ dying for their sins, whose grace is bigger than their mistakes, it's good news for them and for us because it means that we are no longer defined by our sin, but by our identity in Christ, beloved, forgiven, and whole. It tells them and us that we are so much more than our worst mistakes. These verses ask for our conversation, our meditation, our wrestling, our looking at them through new eyes, through new experiences. They ask us to forget what we know because belief is not some one-time subscription to some abstract doctrine. It's a lifelong process of engagement and trust building. These verses are embedded in a story where Jesus continues to engage and argue and persuade people who are slowly transformed, not one time, but slowly transformed. For example, Nicodemus is left in confusion at the end of chapter three. He's left confused and we don't see him again till chapter 19 where he reappears in verse 39 and, help, and is helping to care for Jesus's dead body. And we can only imagine that he has been wrestling with Jesus's words from chapter three over the course of Jesus's whole ministry and has emerged, transformed from the wrestling with, these, with this conversation he had with Jesus. So today, may we let it sink in that God loved the world. And so God came down, became human, and dwelled among us, and died on the cross, so that the very act of gazing upon death may bring us life. The mystery that gazing upon death 
is the thing that brings us life, that experiencing death is the thing that brings us life. In this Lenten season, may we forget what we know and instead be in wonder at God's love. May we be amazed and transformed by the mystery and paradox of Jesus Christ. May we continue having conversations with Jesus and with each other. May we wrestle, may we doubt, may we push back. May it all lead to new life. Amen.